Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin. I'm Kayla. We love movies. And we love talking about them. This is the Martini Window. We are here with uh, VFX on-set supervisor for such shows as Legends of Tomorrow, Stargate SG-1, and Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, Mr. James Rorick. James, welcome forward. Hi, guys. It's good to meet you, Kayla. <laughs> Kevin, good to talk to you. Lovely to meet yeah. you. <laughs> All right, uh, tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself there, James. Well, I, I think uh, Kevin did her best. Uh, super babies. <laughs> uh, you know, I've just uh, decided sometime in the 90s that I like computers, and um, that has ultimately led me to uh, the path I'm on right now, which is uh, visual effects, terrible business. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I, I met James myself working on the television series The Flash, which I suppose I also could have mentioned as a credit. Nah. Um, actually, actually, Kevin, <laughs> I believe we met on Legends before we worked together on Flash. Oh, we did, uh, I, I remember, yes. Um, uh, I remember having quite a um, passionate conversation about The Last Jedi. Right, you mean the third best Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, it's true. My first time meeting James was on the season finale of season three of Legends yeah. of Tomorrow. That was, uh, yeah, they're all That's on the right. beach and Constantine comes up and drops a dragon that head. That was right. That yeah. was good times. Good times. Yeah. Okay. Legends was such a good show. I loved working on that show. It was too. fun. It was, it was so fun, right? Like the first season, they thought they were a serious show. And it was all right, but the second season they kind of leaned into the loon, uh, lunar episodes that they had, and it really found its stride. Yeah. Because you know, I mean, it's absurd premise, right? Superheroes time travel. It traveling. felt like Doctor Who with, yeah, it felt like Doctor Who with superheroes. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I, I always, I always tell people it was uh, Doctor Who meets Firefly was the one that I always like, tell people <laughs> with that show. Nice. Um, I, I, I loved it. I remember because season two, uh, the very first thing they did was a wake up Mick. And uh, I, I can't help but feel that that they basically had him list off entirely what would have been season right. two originally <laughs> in like that 20 minute sequence and just burn that storyline. Yeah, right yeah, away. yeah. Right. <laughs> Get on to something oh else. God, that was, that was, yeah. Oh, my God. That was a great yeah, show. That was fun. That was uh, fun. But I believe we are here to talk about a uh, a cult classic of Ooh. sorts. Beastmaster. 1983. Oh boy, by uh, Don Cascarelli, previously known for Phantasm and since known for John Dies at the End and uh, what's the other one? He did Phantasm and he did uh, John Dies at the End and he did Bubba Hotep. Oh, really? Yeah. Scamble. Yeah, same oh, director. Nice. I like that one. Same director. Now, I okay, so going into this movie, I have never seen Beastmaster <laughs> before. I've heard I've heard about Beastmaster. I've, I've, uh, I watched Community, so I saw Pierce on Community talk about Beastmaster, dress himself as Beastmaster. Uh, so I have all the references, but I never actually um, saw it. Okay, so what I will say is uh, one thing I really love about this era of fantasy. Kayla and I had actually just recently Willow. watched Willow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, recently. I, my first time seeing it, actually. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I never Super never saw it in my life. Uh, Kayla loved <laughs> <laughs> Kayla loved the movie growing up, so she was desperate to show it to me. And now, since Disney Plus has announced that they're being uh, total dicks, to the creators of the Willow TV series and already removing off the uh, streaming oh, wow. service. We tried to... Yeah, they already got rid of it. Less than a year. Less than a year. Yeah, Disney. Oh, uh, God. Disney. But yeah, so Beastmaster, I... 
I was very intrigued by certain things with this movie. Like, this sort of era of fantasy, pre-Lord of the Rings, if you will, they had a lot of imagination and not really anybody right, to do right. it with. And you could kind of tell it was not a profitable genre no, yet. Oh, no. no. Um, I, and, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, this came out after Conan, right? I think like a year uh, or so yeah. after Conan. So Conan was kind of successful back then. And so this would have probably been all the Hollywood guys. I mean, you look at the cast of it, right? And it's like 80s Hollywood, yeah. like Rip, Rip Torn. That's awesome, eh? <laughs> Seeing Rip Torn pop up in that made me laugh so hard. I know, hard. he's got the oh hawk nose God. and everything. <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, so I'm, uh, I'm 31, right? So my, my introduction to Rip Torn growing up was actually um, uh, Men in Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Oh yeah, that was, my, that was my introduction to Rip Torn, and so it's always interesting to me to see him pop up in these older movies and just seeing. Right. Oh right, there was a time where this guy was yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, he did have a career. Yeah, what's uh, funny about all that though is uh, so Mark Singer was not the first person they went to for Dark. Ah. Um, there was a time where they apparently went for, if I'm not mistaken, Klaus Kinski. Klaus Kinski. Oh, like like. Sorry, not not Dar. It was uh, Max, Max, who ended up being played by Rip Torn. Ah, oh, interesting. Uh, oh, geez, that uh, would have been a different I be, I, show. I believe it's Max. That would have been that would have been a way different show. Would, Klaus Kinski, that like been total, like, what's that? Total, <laughs> what is he? Total Eclipse of the. Well, Klaus Kinski, he's the one who uh, he's the one who pulled the boat across the desert for uh, Werner Herzog. <laughs> That's he also he's famous for the triangle, right? <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. would have been different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a uh, Klaus Kinski. Totally, triangle. totally. So, I uh, <laughs> that would have been a very different movie for sure. <laughs> uh, but I have to wonder though: it's a nine million dollar budget. Uh, Don Cascarelli at this point had not been used to this budget by any means whatsoever. Like, I mean, the Phantasm movies at their most, I think, were like probably movie. right. I mean, and uh, it's not yeah. like they did spend much on visual effects on on those things, right? So most of it's done <laughs> practical. I I've come to the conclusion that the two biggest things that they spent money on in Beastmaster were animal yep. wrangling and helicopter and helicopter right, shots. Right, right. While he's I, spinning the sword, they're boo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, every time they every time they have the hawk fly up in the air through whatever stock footage, or at least two times in the movie, just seemingly still in the air with no movement. <laughs> right, right. I just a good POV. <laughs> That's we gotta tell our story. Well, there's been two moments. There's two moments in the movie where you see the where you see uh what the what was the bird's name? Sarah. No, I can't I remember. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You see uh the bird against just a still sky background. It's, it looks like it's flying, but it's not going anywhere. It's staying still in yeah. one spot of the That's screen. <laughs> probably the uh, visual effects budget right there, right? They they got a hawk. They put him on a plate they wanted, and they just get him uh. that. And I think I think there was uh, a map painting of the city, right? Yeah. There's like one shot. So it was something yeah. like that. But yeah, I mean, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by... Uh, the pyramid they built, right? Yeah, because I'm sure yeah. they built that. That was impressive. Yeah, it was pretty tall. That was beyond impressive. Like I, I was pretty blown away with like with the amount of money they had, the kind of uh, set design they were able to do for some of those right. scenes, and you know the the town felt more lived in than I was to- expecting. Totally, totally right. Like you that. know, I think all the money yeah. they saved on costumes went to set design. Because the, yep. the costumes yeah, were which pretty they sparse. They certainly saved a lot. 
Well, they, they, the costumes are pretty sparse for sure. Like, I have a coffee mug in front of me right now with uh, Leonardo da Vinci's like diagram of oh, man, yeah, yeah. you know, the one where he's in the circle, and uh, and the amount of clothing between him and Dar is negligible. <laughs> I know, I know. Right? <laughs> like, I actually uh, watched uh, my my lady watched a bit of it with me, and especially in the beginning, and when we meet Dar, and he's out there rah, swinging the sword and everything, listening his loincloth, and I'm like, yeah, see, this is old Hollywood. That's for the ladies. The uh, lady yeah, is coming right. out later for the men, right? <laughs> but that's like, cool. Yeah, absolutely. He's up there, well, sweating away. And my lovely wife's one comment, that's real muscle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so one thing I also think was really good in the movie is the um, the practical effects. Like, when they took Baby Dar and put it, mm-hmm. like, the witch put it into, like, the goat's belly and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that was that was really creepy. I was like, that was, was like, what is this? Yeah, well, I mean, like, similar to, like, when you see movies like, uh, uh, there's a William Friedkin film from the 1980s uh, called Sorcerer. It's uh, not a fantasy movie, but it's okay. called Sorcerer. But it's, uh, it's not a fantasy movie. But one thing I do tend to find is... Um, these hor- these directors who do who deal in horror and dabble in all these things, the one thing you tend to find is that they bring that into a, a lot of other genres they yeah. work on. So Don Cascarelli got to start in movies like Phantasm, as I've mentioned a few times, and I think you'd be hard pressed to not see the horror influence in certain scenes in Beastmaster. Oh yeah, right. Like I recognize it's supposed to be a fantasy uh, adventure film, but it's also undeniably so violent. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, like it's it's so interesting to watch because it has this campy atmosphere to it and then you're just like flipped over by the fact that like someone gets you know stabbed they're not just gonna stab and fall you're gonna see the blood and everything <laughs> yeah. like holy crap dude <laughs> right right and and also like the the half bird vampire people yeah the design of them was really really interesting yeah. to me i'm like that that's terrifying. yeah right right horrifying Big, tall uh um, blood-sucking uh vampire bats i guess but with no mouths right and what i love about this too is like they just they don't have to explain it they don't have to like this era of movies allowed you to just kind of sit in oh this is the world i'm in guy talks to animals all right totally, carry on. totally right like, totally they, they didn't really have to explain it. they had one single scene of uh i think it was the wolf fight was it a wolf who comes in when he's a yeah, kid and yeah. then looks at the kid and walks away and his dad or his stepdad says, this is a power you must never do show people. You know, yeah. the classic uh, podcast yeah, yeah, thing, right? right? <laughs> it's like, you must never know this power. It's like one scene, one single scene of that. We're not getting uh, we're not getting a whole act wow. of trying to uh, negotiate Come this. On. One scene, move on. He's 20 years we, old. We've, <laughs> we've already seen the witch put him in the cow belly and out of the cow belly. We have the animal aspect already, right? What more do the producers need to do? <laughs> Exactly, and you don't have to start, you know, these creatures come in, these sort of uh, vampire-type creatures that you're referring to, and there's no having to be like, oh, this is where they come from, this is their origin. Uh, So many movies nowadays would be so bogged down in the backstory. Too much much of the the, uh, flavor, right? Too much flavor in there. You just sometimes you just want to go through, especially (laughs) movies like this where it's just like uh, the the Swords and Sandals movies, right, where... We know the yeah. plot, right? We know kind of what's happening. Just yeah. make the story enjoyable along the way. Yeah, we know that somebody here is a chosen one. Someone's yeah. going to die. We know that someone's going to end up ruling He's something. Gonna save Just make the sure day. there's some cool scenes in the middle. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
the D and D player in me loves movies where they're like, "This is the world yeah. you're in. Yeah. Stuff is happening. Yeah, yeah. what's totally, the plot? Right? Totally, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned, uh, Willow earlier. It was my first time watching that Willow. Was so it was great. the same thing. Where, uh, yeah, it was the scene uh, after um, Willow gives the baby to Mad Montague, yeah. yeah. and uh, then he runs and walks away. In the first uh, Mad Montague. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then the very first thing you see is um, oh, the brownies. Yeah. The first brownies, like I got the baby, baby. Uh-huh. and it's like, it's like, oh, little tiny men and women who fly birds <laughs> and steal things. All right, thank you. Okay, move on. Yep. Oh yeah, as it were. And uh, you know, it's it's this movie has that in spades. I really love that. And um, but thing is, though, is that what I what I think I really liked about Beastmaster is <clears throat> there's a lot of heart in this movie. Like you could tell. There was so much passion yeah, behind yeah, yeah. the actual oh, yeah. filmmaking. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially for movies back then, to actually have all those helicopter shots, people people yeah. cared mm-hmm. about making this, whether it was received yeah. well or not. They they totally did. You know, uh, I the thing that stuck with me uh, uh, for a bit of on this movie though was um, I, I can't remember the name now, uh, but the the leather dudes they put the worms into. God, oh man, I'm gonna have to look. They, that up. they, they <laughs> were I... so and so like '80s sadomasochism, like studded leather armor and masks. It, it's yeah. kind of like they raided, um, the Road Warriors, like costumes. Yeah, and got yeah. all also a little. Hmm? Also, a little bit of Hellraiser oh, there, right? Oh, easily the BDSM influence <laughs> of Hellraiser totally. cannot be denied to the '80s. Like somebody came out of the way and said, "Listen, I know y'all have this whole God hates you know things right now, this whole anti-gay legislator, but you have no idea how gay your horror is in this decade." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that in the best absolute way possible. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. The '80s. It was a crazy time. I was yeah. uh, yeah. So I would have been fourteen. When I was watching this movie, uh, yeah, for yeah. Beastmaster. Now, did you see this no, in theaters? No, um, a uh, buddy of mine. Um, his mom was quite at it. His mom was awesome. Uh, she would like buy him comics just from the comic store. Just go and buy him like twenty comics, and so okay. they had a VHS tape, and um, there okay. was uh, a number of uh, shows, and this was one that they had. So I watched it quite a number of times it was quite formative for me that and another one that you should check out if you haven't already the sword and the sorcerer i have actually yeah. seen that movie i was far younger when i saw it but um i i think in the grand discussion of these 80s fantasy movies yeah, right. i don't really think you can avoid i don't think you can avoid talking right, about right. that one uh you know there's they had, oh my god there's a it kind of blended into the 90s too <laughs> i think the tale remember uh, you remember dragonheart yeah. oh, yeah. with uh sean yes. connery Again, perfect example of pre-Lord of the Rings uh, fantasy, but you know, it's interesting is what we're talking about with the world, with the world, not so much world building as much as just world existing in this movie, and I think, you know, ever since Lord of the Rings, and I will earmark that as the era, ever since Lord of the Rings, I don't think audience is accepting that anymore. Right, right, yeah, no, it's I mean, you can kind of see it, kind of see it in um, the movie, like it was the story that started all that stuff, but, uh, what was that one? Uh, John, uh, John, John Carter, Carter Mars, right? Like that is yeah. that story. That is the old pulp story from the thirties. Right. Um, yeah. and it kind of yeah. fell a little flat. I don't know if that was Disney's sort of bobbling of the, 
marketing or whatever, or if yeah. it was just audiences going like, hey, we've seen this show before. Well, you know, it's actually kind of interesting because I think it was a, a number of those things. I was so excited. Right, me movie. too. Uh, John, John Carter. And I'm not going to say nope, it was a bad movie. I've watched it, it an hour of time. But, but... Yeah, yeah. But I will say, though, that, okay, so we're talking about the longest, the, mo- the longest development mm-hmm. hell of any movie in history. 78 years of development hell. Orson Welles was attached to direct this movie at one point. Uh, <laughs> and what I'm saying about that, that, yeah, 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 that would have been right. a very different movie. Uh, what I find fascinating is that the original, the original book was Princess of Mars, uh, fantastic novel. That whole series God, is yeah, actually so great. Edgar, I, I, oh yeah, um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Is, I love yeah. it. Sci-fi from the era. I read the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was. I remember the book being a bit different from the movie. Well, yeah, it got like it didn't. So there were several aspects to that for me, and I know that well, this uh, is a little off topic from Beastmaster, but I'm going to take this moment to mention this. Well, so, there would, probably wouldn't be a Beastmaster uh, without it, right? That hundred percent. There wouldn't be a lot of movies without it. Quite honestly, a lot of stories in general. Like that was the framework for totally. so many. And when you see Princess of Mars, well, it was okay. So the original title was Princess of Mars. The movie ended up being called John Carter, not John Carter of yeah. Mars. They just changed it to John yes. Carter because they somehow felt the of Mars was uh, going to make kids not want to see it because Mars needs moms didn't do well. <laughs> they assumed it was because kids don't like Mars. This is an actual demographic that happened in this era <sighs> and so the movie comes around uh we have no aspect of what it's about john carter um i i love taylor yeah. kitsch uh but i will say the way he's written the movie is not how he's written the book <laughs> the book is a west virginia mild-mannered man and the whole idea about when he goes to the other planet is that that's his opportunity to yeah. be a hero yeah. because he can never do never be in the military back home granted this is an era of a different view viewpoint of military than it is nowadays but um <laughs> For all, I mean, for for most modern, yeah, media, yeah, I would totally, say. right. Uh, but but the fact of the matter is, like that alone, you're starting off with changing that to a gruff out character who you first see in yeah. jail. Yeah, a fighting I mean, man that when he wasn't Gekko. until he got there, right? Yeah, and like uh, you know, obviously there's certain things you can't adapt. Like in the book, uh, he he spends four or five chapters learning the uh, language of the people. Uh, obviously, you know that's you have them drink the water yeah. so you can uh, drink the ooze, right, so you can right. learn the uh, <laughs> learn the language. That one I get, whatever, that's fine. Um, but I just find they truncated so much of it. Then the then they took a lot of influence like that. I don't believe that dog thing was ever no. in the book. Well, well no, uh, no, there was nothing like that. No, yeah. But I mean, they did, I, I did they have so the white apes in there? They didn't have any of the white apes in there or anything either. Oh I yeah, mean, that, he was fighting too, the white ones. That, yeah, that's right. But that's the other thing too is that it's like it's not like this is a niche story. Right. This is like you know you may you may as well be adapting the Iliad in right, some ways. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's my thoughts on John on John Carter. I do find it to be an enjoyable movie, yep. but I know many years ago there was uh, talk about Netflix doing a Princess of Mars oh, series, wow. and I've waited waited every day to hear if there's ever any more news about yeah. that. I did enjoy the movie though when yeah. I watched it, like I as as a movie, yeah. like I I had fun with it. Yeah, no, totally. It's a lot of fun. It's just what could have been from that right, book, right? Yeah, you know, the I mean, book is bloody oh, violent. Yeah. Well, too. I mean, like, it, it's Disney like doing a PG movie was it's it's like straight up <laughs> European imperialism. It's an R-rated right? book because like, it, is... it's like the it's like you know the the hero figure comes and saves everybody on the planet, right? So it, it's yeah. straight yeah. up colonialism, but but it's damn enjoyable, and and exactly. there's there's there seems to be almost an innocence in all the violence and and the the writing style. It's just they're not bogged down by all the subtext and all the everything else. Right. It's just a straight ahead story. 
I like that. I think you kind of hit the you hit the nail on the head there. Like uh, one book that I bought recently from Edgar Rice Burroughs is um, a second edition of uh, The Mood Men. Oh, I've never read that one. And it's a lot of fun, but it's exactly what you're saying though. It's very much like it, this isn't. They're not bogged down by the politics of it all. They're not not that I, not to say I'm not one of those keep your politics out yeah. of inter- entertainment types, but there is something to be said about that era and that and those earlier works when you're reading this and the story about the boy going to Mars could be a story just about the boy going yeah. to Mars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. The story didn't have to I mean the story wasn't this higher a lot of times didn't have these higher contexts. And I, maybe I'm talking on my own ass here. Who knows? You? Like maybe Edgar Rice Burroughs is sitting back. <laughs> maybe Edgar Rice Burroughs is sitting back, you know, two hundred some years ago thinking to himself, this book is about the capitalism right, of man right, or right. something like that. And it's like, all right, I thought it was movement, if, but okay. If I if I have <laughs> remembered anything i read about edgar burroughs rice he was probably after a bar fight or something like that that he would have wrote that He's, he, he was a bit too. of a, a rouser i know he was a boxer yeah really yeah so huh. he was i i think which is why he wrote about the uh the athleticism of a lot of the main characters so much right because he was kind that of that way makes himself. A lot of sense actually yeah yeah that's a lot of sense but uh, yeah, and so now we go back to like going back to like Beastmaster <laughs> yeah. with that now with all no no no, but it's it's relevant like with all that talk about uh, all that talk about Princess of Mars all that, I mean movie aside the actual content and the influence on Beastmaster cannot be denied like it is uh, is right there in you know, Australia yeah, yeah. Uh, blood and sand yeah yeah, yeah totally <laughs> totally I mean it's well I mean like who are the the two people that probably uh. I guess they both would have been before Tolkien that cast a huge shadow over um, modern fantasy would be Burroughs and Howard, right? Like Conan. It's it's crazy to me to think, it's crazy to me to think that there's a world where Tolkien was like in, uh, where Tolkien was like on World War One's battlefields or something thinking to himself, oh, I'll never be one of the greats like Burroughs, you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, and it's... And I bet you you'll we'll see the same things in the movies too, like you had touched on earlier. That um, we probably won't see many movies like Beastmaster because once Tolkien sort of really hit mainstream, um, especially uh, uh, for people that play D and D like us, uh, Kayla, uh, it's uh, Tolkien's influence on D and D is. Oh, 100%, yeah, he... right? Like, there, any of the worlds, many of the worlds that existed with elves before Tolkien don't exist anymore because that's such a trope, right? Tolkien's influences. But uh, Howard and uh, and Burroughs are, were before that, so it's, it's nice to sort of see that. It really is. And like when I was a kid, I loved Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. Like that, that mo- when I was a kid, that was like the best movie ever. And I love that Beastmaster kind of like yeah. takes me back to that almost like it's almost like the aesthetic that He Man loved. Can, can, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Kayla. What is best in life, Conan? <laughs> <laughs> to drive your enemies before you and hear the lamentation <laughs> of their women. <laughs> uh, I, oh, I was a huge. I love that. I, uh, I had the Marvel, uh, I, I probably still do somewhere. It's probably in shitty shape, though. But, excuse, oh, I swear, sorry. Um, I have the Marvel uh, Comics adaption of that movie drawn by John Romita Jr., and I read the pants off of that. So oh. I got all the 
quotes. That's amazing. No. That is one hell of a sentence to be able to flex. I, I am nerd. <laughs> yeah. You? James Rorick? <laughs> right. I got to point out, when I was working on Flash with James, uh, I found out the extent of his Star oh. Wars fandom. And so much so, I was blown away that he didn't mention Star Wars as a movie for this. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to go with the more obscure one. I was always this way in my heavy metal tastes, too. I always aim for the more obscure. Like, don't get me wrong. Star Wars is why I am here. Right? Like, I... Yeah was one oh, of yeah. the original converts to Star Wars. I've been, according to my census, I've been a Jedi since 1990. Uh, <laughs> right, but um, it's, everybody's seen it. It's a, all been done. What more do I want to say about it than I freaking love that movie? So it's nice to just shine a light on some of the other things, some of the uh, less well-known. Hey, I'm not opposed to that at all. Not opposed to that at all. And, uh, you know, Don Gasparelli, I actually have uh, quite the admiration for. He's, you know, a huge proponent in the world of uh, kind of gonzo yeah. filmmaking and very, like, independent filmmaking of that era. And I, it's it's fascinating to see what he got to do with, uh, well, his biggest budget right, he ever right. had, to say the least. And some of the choices he made, like, we were talking earlier about how you could tell this movie was made with love yeah. and care. And while we're talking about the VFX, the one aspect that I actually really found was the wides in the movie were so well right. planned for what they had. Like, you had those rolling hill shots of him walking to the hills, stuff like that. But the one that got me was, oh, man, it was uh, after they uh, saved King Zed. And there's, like, this cave. And you got, like, six different kind of fires happening, little fireplaces yeah. happening at the same time. And the red glow is going onto the sand out the cave. And it's just, like, they hold on this wide and let a lot of the action happen yeah. in there. I'm just, when you see what Don Casparelli had, where he's like, you know, we don't have a lot. So let's make the little yeah. we have look like totally, a lot. Totally, totally, right? right? It, it's just beautiful. Well, and and like, you know, I, I mean, that, I, those are still giant cameras with film mags on them, right? So they yeah. don't have the mobility that that our filming has now, right? So you can't, oh, I'm just going to jump around here. I'm just going to move over here. I'm going to like a lot of them. This is why I love watching those old yeah. movies, like the 40s movies and that. You're like, when the camera moves, you're like, oh, holy smokes. Because they would like, back yeah. then, they would set up a camera in a room. And then the actors would just like act around the camera as the frame stays still and stuff like that, right? <laughs> you really have to feel the set for things like that, just because like you don't have the option, like like you were saying, you don't have the option of cheating yeah. it, yeah, and, and moving it to make it look bigger than yeah. it is. Yeah, it feels. And Sorry, go. Yeah, I I would say that they filled the action in the scenes very well. I was very impressed with the fight choreography in this. Yeah. And having that be like the focus oh, yeah. of it with like the station like, created the fight choreography alone right. was right. was like, like exceptional like for this. He was he was there swinging that metal sword when he in the fights, right? Like that was Mark Singer doing yeah. all that stuff. It was, and that's the thing that I loved about it so much. One of the things, uh, and this um, era is, uh, it's all practical. They didn't have enough money to do a Star Wars or even a conan for this right so they did it all in like you get all the old tricks when he stabs his dad you get the side shot so you don't have yeah. to see the wound go in like now we'd go oh look at the bleeding wound and that but it's all it's all on the cheap old tricks get everything in film blow shit up have real animals <laughs> you know well you know this this whole era of uh this whole era of filmmaking too like not just with fantasy uh you know 
some might say that the Beastmaster was made because of Conan, right? And it was a lower budget movie. It's nine million uh, for what they're doing. That was not a lot. You know, I, I guarantee you, most of that went to the animals. The animal, right, right, right. right. They were fantastic. By the way, was amazing yeah. in this. I was actually like genuinely budget aside of anything, the animal direction in this was exceptional. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, and oh my god, I, it was and, blown and away. I mean, yeah. ferrets. Yeah. Well, and the, the ferrets, I'm like, I, I remember just loving the ferrets and how can you not? But like watching this now through a lens of how we do things on set now, I'm like, I wonder if they, how many ferrets they had. Because they, yeah. they, were, they were like <laughs> picking that ferret up out of the goose. And I'm sure there was a hollow bottom or something and there was a guy in there holding it or whatever, right? But they had, they, they did the actual shots of the ferret going in and coming out and, and all that. And just the way you know, coming out of the bag, and I just wonder. And we all know how animal rights law laws oh, were yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, Mark Singer, the star of the movie, walks up and pats the giant panther on the head. <laughs> <laughs> right, like that does not happen now. They come to me, hey, can you CG this stuff? Like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. But, but, but it's it's. <laughs> That's that's like the height of the art, kind of, right? Like everybody is yeah. there. They have to think about their frames. Like they have to set the wides up, like you were saying, and yeah. think about what they're doing. They have, they had to, I'm sure, get the actors comfortable around the animals with the animals and all that. And by the way, one of my favorite scenes there is the animal uh, is the panther jumping on the. Uh, stuntman i'm like oh that's awesome you don't see that much anymore right no that was fantastic and that's just it you're seeing these right. things it's like yeah this is no computers this is... man that's a tiger jumping <laughs> totally, on a... right well in this case it's actually not a panther they died yeah, a tiger's yeah. fur black <laughs> oh my god that is hollywood but it's oh like, god yeah. that's hollywood oh my god was it being the person who had to dye a tiger's fur black <laughs> now like, so... you're in there with the tiger dying so, in black is that the animal handler or the hair department <laughs> I don't, that, that poor lady. That poor lady. I've got to go hair dye a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> she just got upgraded that day. No experience. Right, 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 right. Are, are we sure? It's not, are we sure it's not the paint yeah, department? Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, what movie did they paint a horse in? Was that a trail? No. Well, uh, was that? I'm trying to remember hmm? if that was what was that movie? That was the never ending. That horse. There's, I yeah, yeah, but you actually, you also just made me think of, uh, uh, oh, cows don't look like cows on camera. You got to paint horses. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what do you do if you need a horse? You tape a bunch of cats yeah. together. God, I love the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, but what I was gonna say is like this whole era of uh, filmmaking was pretty spectacular when you look back on it. Like one, uh, one movie uh, in particular that I really like is um, Battle Beyond the Stars, and yeah. You know, just that era yeah. of like these, you know, you could use the term knockoff. It has a bit of a weird connotation to it. But in reality, a lot of these movies were made to profit off of movies That's, that yeah. had just come out. And they were made cheap, quick, of and course. on the go. But in doing so, like, you nurture some of these filmmakers in ways I don't think that, you know, I don't think they can get anywhere else. Like, Don Cascarelli in this movie, Beastmaster, um, from a director's, like, from the directing standpoint, everything he's doing, he's pulling out his bag of tricks from his totally. indie life, right? And it's it shows so nicely, and it's like, yeah, it's not gonna look the same as like, uh, or it's not gonna look the same as Willow or Raiders of the Lost Ark or yeah, something totally. like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, it, it but, is, it is, it's, it's, 
it's just such a different, sorry, it's just such a different way of filming back then, right? Because you couldn't really affect things in post. You couldn't really go back and do reshoots because the film was gone. The money was gone, right? You had no more film to shoot yeah. with. And you had to watch, like back in those days, the producers would come to set and tear a strip out of the director for shooting too much because because developing film was expensive so i mean it's so different now because now it's just like spray and pray right you turn the camera on and leave yeah. it on all day pretty much right so so like they only had what they had to do that so you had to make the movie work with what you got on the date right yeah. and that's i think where the art of it comes in but i think like you had said too this was the height of spectacle wasn't it yeah like this was this was very much uh this whole era too yeah like what people were really trying to push to do they got the idea you know about five years before you know the summer blockbuster had yeah. been invented yeah. with jaws right and from that moment forward it became how do we keep people in the theaters how do we get totally. it bigger how do we get it better how do we um okay what are these people like these people like fantasy how can we do fantasy well we don't have a lot of money how can we let's do it anyway you know uh these people like star wars can we do star wars we don't have a lot of money but let's do star wars oh. anyway and Balby on the stars happen and it's oh, like kevin it, it, when you were saying that yeah i was imagining you in a boardroom somewhere in the 80s with a straw out of your nose just going to like okay what do we gotta do all that <laughs> Because I, I did this watching the Beastmaster too. I'm like, I bet you, I bet you there was a lot of stuff happening on this set. Because it, it was yeah. the 80s. And in LA, I mean, I've heard yep. some crazy stories up here from the 90s up here. So I imagine the 80s would have been uh, pretty, uh, pretty blizzardy down there. Oh, uh, yeah. Awful lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Maybe that's. Maybe that's how he calms his nerves around the tiger. <laughs> but, you know, maybe they give it to the tiger. <laughs> it's a cocaine tiger. Well, we, got, we, can either, we can either trank the tiger to slow it down, or we can speed up our actor to get him up to the tiger's level. Either way, I don't think we should have this yeah. in the books. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> so do you sequel to Cocaine Bear, Cocaine that's right. Tiger? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Actually... Um, I, I will say that like movies like Beastmaster and like and before when you brought out that awesome quote from um Conan, uh -huh. I, found, I found that when I was when I was a kid, I because I grew up in Australia, we got a very different TV oh, for sure. lineup on AB on on ABC. So we had all of these very strange like live action fantasy TV shows. Like we had one called Thunderstone where they traveled to another dimension oh, yeah. and, or a different fantasy world oh, wow, kind of yeah. thing we had we had a lot of stuff on tv that i think really was influenced oh, by this sure and i think when it stopped being spectacles it kind of somehow migrated in a different form over to australian children's oh, yeah, TV. that's awesome <laughs> australian children's tv is horrifying <laughs> I, <sh> <laughs> I showed kevin round the twist any australians listening will be oh. laughing Oh my God! You Australians and your faceless child in oh, seriously faceless child. In it's a doll. Interesting. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Well, you should show your kids. Yeah, I mean, these <laughs> Kevin. These are the people that came up with Mad Max. So that's right? fair. One of my favorite movies and one of my favorite Gonzo made movies. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that one completely. Uh, absolutely, I'm with you on that one. Um, uh, okay, so have you seen any of the sequels to Beastmaster <laughs> that I no. only now found out no. exists? I, uh, okay, all right. No, because so, I, so I don't think any of them had loved... Singer in them or any of the other people did. No, 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 he was in Has all three. He? I haven't. He was in all three. Nobody else was in it. (laughs) I have not. That's probably all he had in the 80s. So in the second one, uh, so Beastmaster 2, I'm very inclined to perhaps watch this at some point (laughs) for this show. Uh, Beastmaster Beastmaster 2, Through the Portal of Time. It was a sequel in 1991 starring Mark Singer reprising the role as Dar. Uh, a barbarian from another dimension who travels to 1990s Los Angeles and befriends a young woman, Jackie Trent. Dar must stop his evil brother, played by Wings Hauser, from bringing back a neutron bomb. <laughs> oh my god, I want to watch that. Let's do it. Yeah, sequel episode, do it. His little kid brother turned out to be evil? <laughs> and also, it's like, Little kid brother, did both of them come right. along? And like, he turned out to be evil and he knows what a neutron That's bomb right, is. Eh? <laughs> I go to the future. If you show, show these people a television set and then blow their minds, <laughs> give them a bloody neutron bomb? What the hell? <laughs> what is the magic box in your hand? Right? That's oh my God. But the funny thing, though, is that we're talking about Mark Singer and I'm looking at this. I'm like, he was so committed to this role. Like, Beastmaster, he did all three. He did Beastmaster one, two, three. He didn't do the series, ah, yeah, but yeah. he did all three movies. And I'm just looking at his performance even in, in the first Beastmaster. And it's like, just very like, he knows exactly the kind of role yeah. this is. He knows exactly the kind of character he's playing here. Yeah, totally. And yeah, it's like, it, it's self-aware, but not. Because I don't think it's self-aware. I think it's just legitimately that was the archetype back in the day. And totally. you know, we're talking about well, Conan yeah. the Conan, uh, the yeah. barbarian, the influence there, and, and obviously the big hunky and dad, right? We're talking about Conan the barbarian perceived through the snow addled lens of 1980 freaking B movie <laughs> Hollywood, right? Right, get get I, some I, hot I blonde dude, then strip him down and get him swinging <laughs> a sword, then get a hot chick and put that beside him and then fight stuff. <laughs> It'll be great, right? I mean, that's the recipe. Uh, and then at some point in the movie, he mentioned that his love interest is the cousin of his little brother. So, oh my god! Ah, now there's some good Americans. Uh, and that's what else love too is like he's the cousin of your little brother, right? So he's your cousin. So she's your cousin. That's not the cousin of your little brother. It's your little brother. It's right, your cousin. Right. Ah, right. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking at the credits for this, and something that made me laugh is you have Rod Loomis as King Zed and Vanna Bonta as Zed's wife. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, and under it is Ben Hammer as Dar's father. Like, at some point, they just didn't. I choose to believe her name is Zed's wife, Zed. (laughs) Her first name is Zed's wife. (laughs) Right. That's my belief. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Three letter names. So, hey, um, <laughs> I, I, sorry, you just sparked a neuron. Are either of you kids familiar with um the Gore series? G O R. I've heard of it. I've heard the name. I like. I've heard of it, but I it's haven't seen it myself. It's another one of those. It's an older. I think it's more sixties, seventies. But it's um the first like 
three or four novels are really cool, but then it gets really weirdy, bondagey kind of weirdy. Um, but it's very Conan, very, uh, very Conan, very like it's this, it's the same, essentially the same story. There were so many of them, same story as, uh, Edgar Burroughs, right? Um, guy goes to counter earth and, you know, flies giant birds and swords and sorceries and insect gods and stuff like that, you know, with a little bit of, um, uh, well, it's not really apparent at first, but it there's there's a, a heavy dollop of sexism in there, right? Yeah. But uh, it's also the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I understand like when it was made, this is the world was a very different oh, yeah. place. Yeah. When I watch movies or read a book from a long from a, a different era, I kind of have to totally. read it through the lens it was intended. Totally, like reading um, what did I read? Jewel was it Jules Verne? Yeah, Journey to the Center. Yeah. Of the Earth is that Verne? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's um, cool. And it's yeah. just the just baked in classism of the yeah. writing. And even and even H.P. Lovecraft. Oh yeah, yeah. He clear you know, like Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing though. You can't be watching these things in the moment. No, yeah, I mean it's even Beastmasters Beastmasters no uh is not innocent in that in no. that either, right? Like there's a lot of scenes in there like basically forcing himself on right, Curie. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, you, but we're not seeing that in that era. We're seeing, you know, back then that was seen as an Adonis thing to do right. in movies, right? Like, obviously now, you know, that's, and obviously that's an issue that plagues a lot of movies from the 1980s. Uh, another one would be uh, Red yes, Nerds. Yes, of course, right? <laughs> you mean you don't go to lakes and just pick up random women? Well, uh, that's never been my experience. You. <laughs> oh my God. But you don't um, forget you spy on them first. That's what you. That's what you got to make sure to do. You spy them first. I've seen Back to the Future. That's what works for George McFly. We yeah, all saw yeah, it. We right? all saw what Marty stopped there. Marty stopped the guy peeping on his mom, and still had to be like, "Well, fuck! I still got to get this guy to get the mom." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the uh, the social movement has been so changed in the past twenty years over so many things. I yeah. mean, it's uh, it's. It's a welcome change to see a lot of this stuff happen. For sure. For sure. It is. It does stand the question, though, like, could this actual sort of movie be made today and be released on a wide scale? Oh, like, uh, there's no. still directors. Actually, the director of the second one, uh, the director of the second one, Jim Minorsky, um, direct, he directed the second one? I know he wrote it. Uh, Jim Minorsky, though, he went out. He also directed. Uh, no, he, he he wrote the second one. It was directed by Silvio Tomei. But uh, Minorsky went on to direct um, Chopping Mall. From 1986. So, I love that movie. Yeah, fantastic movie. But oh, uh, maybe fantastic's been a stretch. It's a great movie. Uh, but uh, but Chopping Mall is a good example. Like that director went on to do. If you look at his filmography, it's full of like, uh, you know, he released he released like an Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman oh, style oh yeah, yeah. movie in like 2014. Nice. You know, yeah. you're gonna you're not gonna hear about these no, movies. No. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, this would have been a VHS movie. You wouldn't 100%. go see it in the theaters. 100%. And they know they wouldn't go see it, you know, right? Yeah, I'm sure it would get a theatrical release and they would do whatever they did, but they'd make their money on the VHSs on this stuff, right? So much of this 100%, stuff, right? 100%, yeah. And that's more so what I mean, actually, when I reference yeah, to exactly what it is. Not a, it's, it is exactly. I mean, people have made uh, people have made no secret about how great the trove of horror oh, is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, horror, yeah. horror always seems to be a good 
starting point for a lot of people directing because you I get mean, the psych you you I can lean horror. into the psychological <laughs> aspect or you can lean into the splatter aspect and both are things that you can achieve fairly cost effectively right and i wonder sometimes when I'm watching this i wonder if where that became the the misdirect of some elements of uh of beastmaster because that's the thing too. You had a very horror director, so the but the fight scenes were fantastic. The the violence was yeah. pretty insane. Yeah, totally, totally. So so much uh, blood but and I, shit. <laughs> yeah, but I will say that there's elements that you don't really see in fantasy movies a lot. But then there was also elements missing is, that you do normally see in fantasy movies. You know, if it, you kind of know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Right, there's a lot less magic yeah. in this one. Like, oh God, yeah. Right, you got that one. The uh, one hmm? thing. One thing I found very interesting about the movie, um, actually, was with the witches and their design. <laughs> like, there's there's so much nudity in the movie as it is. Like, you you barely, you saw their bodies at first, and then you see how messed up their faces are. And when they're on screen, unless the highlight is the face scaring someone, yeah. the camera is usually, like, focusing more on their body. But then when you meet, um, then when... uh. Uh, Kiri, his uh, love interest, comes in. The first thing that the camera focuses focuses on is her face. Yeah, like yeah. we we know she's hot. Like that's uh, like well, she's first... in an '80s movie. Of course she is. Yeah, but like they but they specifically highlight her face to set her apart as different to the other women they've yeah, shown yeah. so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The... And that's a very go on. no, no, no. Go, go. I was just gonna say. I mean, that's a very. Uh dedicated and planned out intention from Cascarelli, I'd have to assume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, with, yeah. The, with the way he chose to shoot that. Yeah. 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 Right. Because like we were saying, there's only so much film. So everything that you are committing to film should mean something in those days. Right. It had to have. Absolutely. And I'm trying to think of this one scene in the movie. There was this one conversation where uh, it was between, I think, uh, Max and Dar. I think it was Max, but there's this one scene where it shows Dar's head in the foreground, and I think this conversation goes on for a good straight like minute, oh, and the camera yeah. never breaks, and it's just a locked off wide tight to his shot or locked they off. They were they were like standing the, uh... apart, right? So you had one yeah, guy in the yeah. foreground, one guy in the background, but they were both kind of talking yeah. at each other, right? And they never cut right. from the shot. I yeah, love that. Yeah. See, I, I'm I'm a big fan of that because. What you have here is you have two actors really being able to let their performance carry on the carry on the film. And like, because again, we're not in the era of flashy edits. We're not no. in the era of, uh, you know, high it's budget. Like See, around the era of computer mo- effects. Most of those shots were more than four seconds. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of crazy because I have to feel that the practical effects are what lead to this movie's cult status yeah. so much because there were movies in the 90s when. Uh, when computer VFX started to become a thing and people were, had no idea how to yeah. use it yet. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a good example is like um, a movie like this, I feel would have been a, equivalent to a movie like, let's say uh, Anaconda in the level totally. of uh, camp. Let's go with totally. camp. But what I'm saying is like Beastmaster if made in the late nineties, it's crazy of me to think they probably would have thought, well, no, we don't need any animals. We can yeah, do it all yeah, with computers course, right? now. And, you know, we'd be sitting here twenty. We'd be sitting here twenty five, thirty years later, talking about how the VFX and Beastmaster has aged so poorly. <laughs> of course, right. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we're talking about how this nine million dollar movie had obscenely good animal right, choreography. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, it's choices that you couldn't make nowadays. 
Oh, hundred percent. Like, like you say, this movie would never get made the way it was made. They could remake the movie, no problem, and make it a big, uh, a big uh, honor among thieves kind of spectacle. Uh, but um, they'd never use the live animals. And uh, by the way, I I loved Honor Among Thieves. Oh my God! Yeah, we loved it. It was uh, that was a fantastic. Oh, movie. that paladin! Like, I know we're talking about Beastmaster, yeah. but that. I know we're talking about Beastmaster, but Honor Among Thieves is definitely worth this. Uh, it, it, yeah, that paladin walking over the rock was right? hilarious. It, is, just like that's as, an NPC. As a player, as a player, and even yeah, as a as a DM, it's just like they they took everything and gave the fans all the nods, but it was under the hood enough that uh, you know the straights could enjoy the movie as well. It's true. Yeah, like I saw that with uh, my brother and with Kayla, and uh, between the three of us, there's like three tiers of tabletop player. With yeah. my brother easily being on the top, uh, Kayla between the two of us, and I I know the least. Like I I enjoy D and love playing it, but uh, I have trouble staying on like long yeah, campaigns yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, so I'm definitely more of a casual. And what's interesting is it's exactly as you said. My brother's catching every single Easter egg that you could possibly imagine. He's cat, uh, you know, Kayla here is laughing at a bunch of things that I don't fully understand, but everything <laughs> I'm seeing and the few Easter eggs I'm catching is absolutely oh, hysterical yeah, yeah. and unbelievably entertaining. That whole scene with the, the dragon, dragon might be the funniest scene I've seen in like three and, years. That may be the hardest even, I laughed even this whole year. Even the start of that scene is so on point. If you are a DM, the actor is going to go in oh, yeah. and screw up your carefully laid trap with one motion. Just like he, oh, the whole thing collapses because he stepped on it. And as a DM, you're like, ah, no, no, like two days will it work? Oh, I, uh, I, I unfortunately was normally that player. God, that's they, yeah, <laughs> it's, that is the way it is. I, I had a half orc. I had a half orc who liked to uh, impulsively punch people with his course, shield, um, with no regard whatsoever of what was going on in the story <laughs> at that point. Uh, it's a, I, uh. I went more wholesome. I I was I was cheery rock bottom. I was a dwarf who wanted to collect uh, weapons from my parents' axe museum in oh, the mountains. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. So it was, I would just go up to farmers and say, "Do you have a knife or weapon of note of, of note that I can buy from you and take to my parents' museum?" Oh, nice. <laughs> Holy smokes! Uh, I have a just got a new character. The last one I played for several years actually was a gnome ranger by the name of Norgie Specklebottom. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love that. Played him all the way up to nineteenth level. Um, he oh, was um. God. <laughs> Charisma was his dump stat. So he uh, he was a ranger, so he carried a bag of camouflage with him, which was just essentially various pungent dirts that he would smear on himself. Oh, my God. Um, he also had quite a giant penchant for barbecue. And um, particularly <laughs> dragon. I love that. Ooh, barbecue dragon. Okay. Sounds yummy. Ah, uh, the good times. Uh, D&D. Um, oh, yes. movie. Kayla, did you catch the cartoon characters in there? Do you know what I speak of? In the maze um, sequence? When they're fighting yeah, in the maze. Yeah, some of them were cartoon characters. Yeah, one of the other teams they're fighting against is the cartoon characters from the 1980s Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. No way. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
that's, that's like that's the live action an, I version. I need to watch this movie yeah, again. Yeah, it was like, I saw the Paladin and I think uh, the Paladin and the Ranger and you're like, what the fuck? Oh, nerds. Oh, I, I, I burst out laughing when they got to the mimic <laughs> chest. I'm like, yeah, right? yep. And, and the gelatinous yeah, cube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was such a... <laughs> or you could just... It was such a such a under the hood egg uh, Easter egg fest for the fans and uh, like the players, the people that knew. It was awesome. Yeah, I also I also loved uh, Michelle Michelle Rodriguez. No, that That I think is my favorite performance from her. Yeah, I loved her tiny man fetish. Right, she was just a giant lady who likes tiny men. Yeah, it was. I love that. I'm actually with you on. I'm with you on that with her. I thought that was, uh, you know, she has, I've always found Michelle Rodriguez is a very comedic charm about herself that doesn't get to yeah. flex a lot. And, uh, you know, that was a good opportunity for that because I uh, played to both her strengths. I mean, she kicks ass really totally. well, always. Of course, that's one thing we all love about her. But watching her actually be a little bit funny and get to play off Chris Pine and the two of them had great yeah. chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was awesome. It's, oh, man, it was fantastic. No, I, I loved it. But uh, the bit that killed it, the bit that, I loved was just the idea that you name so many characters in the D&D game. Eventually, of course, you're going to name somebody something stupid like Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, forget his name. Jonathan. There. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like next, next male D&D character I play, I'm going to call Bort. 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 Nice. Bort. Sorry, are you talking to me? No. My son Bort. is also named Bort. Ah, <laughs> uh, D&D. Oh, now I want to play. I don't think oh, I play boy. a game until the 22nd. Yeah. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Nerd. Well. There you go. <laughs> so we are we are well, about out of time. There you we? go. We are we are uh, in a few minutes here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, what are we? Yeah. Uh, any parting shots for the uh, Beastmaster people? I I freaking love that movie. It was seminal for me, and it probably um it, because I was like hardcore in D and D at that moment too. So that movie probably uh helped with the trajectory of my life. That's for sure. I mean, it's crazy to me to think sometimes, like, it's weird seeing these movies so far away and looking yeah. back on it like that. Like, I obviously wasn't alive no. back then. <laughs> so, it's so fascinating because it's like, but no, it's just fascinating to see the influence that movies that people might look at now and call corny or call campy or what have you. Like, what about it, though? It's such an entertaining movie. It's never nope. boring. It's, uh, and, you know, here we are, somebody here who watched that movie at the right time. And it's like the amount of that these sorts of things influence us i think is a lot more critical to be oh, totally. and it's like and for the reasons that we've been talking about this whole time like who would have thought you'd be talking about the passionate filmmaking behind a movie like that right. most people probably wouldn't think twice right, about right it. no no totally just you know uh rip on the uh i don't know the names i don't know right yeah i mean yeah because they are funny. totally totally right <laughs> they didn't think much about the names yeah. they just wanted the the actors oiled up on camera <laughs> Dar sounds like something the writer came up with while they were yeah. drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. What are we going to call him? And, and drunk is a euphemism Dar. for something else, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just love you just keep leaning back into the cocaine. That is the period, this though. Is the that is the backstory. sticking to it. It, it, is, it, is, it, is, and, it and, is. Like There's no denying that. I really came up after all that because I was in the late 90s when I started into the industry. But even I remember some of that, like the camera, the dark rooms in the camera trucks and just there was it was prevalent enough in the 90s that I 
I have memories of it. So I'm just thinking of the heydays of the 80s, what it must have been like, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because they were doing it. It's not well, like they were back in the days where they had. That was back in the days where they had beer at lunch, cigarettes are crafty, and the candy tray was a, a candy I, tray. I remember I worked so. with a director, um, uh, assistant director, Alex Pappas, great guy on Stargate. Um, go kind of smoke, boys. But um, he would tell stories in the early 90s of them coming around with the candy tray after lunch, just piled full of powders and pills. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. But with that, I believe we out of time. are uh, at the end. Uh, out of Yeah, at the end of our interview here. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you are listening to us on YouTube, Spotify, Deezer, what have you, you can click the link in the description to buy yourself a Blu-ray of Beastmaster. And also a bonus, a link to buy some books in the Gore series that James oh, had mentioned yeah. earlier. But don't don't yell uh, at me for it if you it's not your cup of tea. The first four books. Message me for his phone number if you're pissed <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say like uh, and James. subscribe to uh, these guys, but I don't know if I will now. <laughs> uh, James, thank you so much for coming on to the Thanks, show. Thanks, Kevin. Kayla, anytime. Thank All you. Right. Talk to Thanks, you later. Kelly. Cheers.